Kat Tompkins, and you are listening to the Engage Chesterfield Podcast, a podcast about topics that affect our schools and community in Chesterfield, Virginia. We believe family and community engagement is an essential component of improving outcomes for children and youth. Our goal is to strengthen the partnership between families, teachers, schools, and the community through open dialogue. Thanks for engaging with us. Do you feel like your teen is spending more and more of his or her time on digital media and less time reading for pleasure? If so, you are not alone. Today's podcast is part of our Raising Readers series and will focus on teen reading. How can we as teachers and parents continue to foster a love for reading in the teen years? How can we help the reluctant reader? What are teens reading? All that information in this podcast and suggestions for books too. According to the American Psychological Association, from 2016 onward, 12th graders spent an average of six hours a day on social media, texting, and surfing the web. Teens have definitely turned on to technology and turned off to reading. Many teens admit to rarely, if ever, picking up a book to read for pleasure. Our teens need to read. Why? To be successful in school, to build that strong vocabulary, to have a source of entertainment when the power goes out, ultimately to be well-informed citizens. Our teens need critical thinking skills to be put into play when they're out in the complex world, whether they're on the job or selecting a candidate to vote for in a midterm election. Reading books and novels like classics and contemporary pieces can help our children navigate through life both socially and academically. Yes, we have stiff competition with social media and technology, but we can keep teens engaged in reading. So to gather information about how we can keep our teens reading, I went to the experts, and I started with our Chesterfield County Public Schools Secondary Literacy Team. So um, right now, I am with Stephanie Smith. I'm a secondary literacy coach. And Natalia Carson. I'm also a secondary literacy coach at Chesterfield County Public Schools. And what I would like to get from these two experts is, as parents, how do we keep encouraging our teenagers to read? Do you guys have any, do you gals have any suggestions? (laughs) So one of the things that I like to talk about is just having access, have books, all kinds of different things. If you can afford to buy them, go to Second and Charles and different areas. That's a great store. I just went in there recent last year, and I was like, how have I missed this store? Because you can trade books there too, right? Yes, and yes. they have very current titles. I used to find that some of the used books or even going to yard sales, they were old, outdated, looked kind of crummy. 
not real appetizing. And <laughs> Stephanie Charles just has, and Stephanie, you can yeah, probably I can get into serious that. trouble there. I have to limit my access <laughs> right. to that store. They have games for kids too. There, they had all types of stuff. I had no mm-hmm. idea, like from the outside of that store, I didn't know it was going to be like that on the inside. I think teens would definitely like that store. Yeah, and there are several bins where you can go and like when you first enter the store over to the right, they're free bins, like four huge bins, like all free. And sometimes you can catch like really good books. Like if people want to donate books, but they already have so many copies they're selling, they just throw it in the bin. Oh my goodness, a great resource for Mm -hmm. parents. Nice little place to scavenge hunt. All right, yes. and then what are some other ways? So I'm just sorry. so having lots of books lying around different places keeps them in the car. I mean, currently my house looks more like a library that's been through a hurricane than it does a house because but, there's just books everywhere. Let me tell you, that's because we're readers, and I yeah. want to bring up the point that yeah, you have to have access to the books, but parents have to model a love for reading. If they don't, their kids aren't going to pick up on that, and their kids aren't going to love it either. So parents have to be seen reading, whether it's, I don't know, a novel, um, even the news on a, on their iPhone. It doesn't matter. Or a newspaper they have to or a magazine. Reading, reading. But I highly recommend reading with your kids. Um, I've read to my kids since they were itty-bitty, and they're now 9 and 13, and we still read together every single night. We have downtime where we are, we're all reading our own books, but then I also read aloud to them, and I let them choose the books Absolutely. that we read. So they have a vested interest in it. Um, also, I find out what they're reading in school. Like the book, I, I brought a book today to talk about, Refugee. You should mm-hmm. read this. It's awesome. It does look good um, by the cover, I'll tell you that much. My son was reading this in English class, and when I found out about it, I was like, this sounds amazing, and I've never read anything by Alan Gratz before, and I've heard he's awesome. So I was like, I got to check this out, and I'm really glad that I did it. Now I can talk to my son about what he's reading for class, but then my daughter hears it, and she's like, well, you got to tell me what happens. And I was like, no, you got to read the book. (laughs) So is that a fiction book, or is it nonfiction? It's historical fiction. Mm -hmm. What I love about this book is that it takes three stories of three people, children, Mm -hmm. fleeing their countries at three different time periods. So you have... A Jewish person fleeing Germany in 1939, going to Cuba. A Cuban refugee fleeing Cuba and heading toward Miami in in 1994. And a Syrian refugee fleeing Syria trying to get to Germany in 2015. Wow. So it's three different time periods. And perspective is all there. And it's all there. It's It's beautifully written. So that's Refugee by Alan Grab. This book is a perfect example of the concept of windows and mirrors. Sometimes as parents, you know, we want to we want a student to or child to read a certain book. But right. the truth is, sometimes we tend to point them in the same direction. Kids need to be able to one see themselves in a book, but also being able to see the perspectives and to help generate empathy. This story literally had me in tears. Me too. One, oh, wow. my family's from Cuba. And I lived in Miami in the Mm -hmm. 90s when that was happening. So the story of this family, I mean, just thinking of the story makes me want to, it just really brought me to tears in that I can relate way, but then the other two brought me to tears in the, 
oh my goodness, I had no idea way. So like this book did both for you. So you mm-hmm. could, I could not reflect and see myself in this book, but you could. But you also had the window experience mm-hmm. where you got, and that's what all I had from this book, mm-hmm. where I got to see in to other people's lives and I what love they were the experiencing. Of the windows and the mirrors. I can't so take like, credit for no, that. No, no, no. The author that it said was that. Donald Miller. Oh, okay. <laughs> the book whisperer. The book, yeah, she the used books, that. She used whisperer. that in a tweet because she was teaching a lesson um, when she was visiting Australia. She was teaching a lesson about how students need to see themselves in the books that they read, but not to forget that books have to be windows as well because. A lot of times we're, we're, we fear what we don't know, and we don't get to travel all the places we may want to. We may not meet people from as many different cultures as we'd want to, and so we might fear those unknown. But if we read about them in books, we can experience at least a little bit of it and maybe open our minds to things that we didn't before. You definitely made me want to read that. It is a fantastic So book. would this be a good, um, like what um, age, what grade levels would so perhaps the reading from level this is actually refugee? Not, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. The, okay. the reading level is not that high. It's only like mm-hmm. a 4.7. Yeah, probably. But so for school, parents that don't understand what a 4.7 is, would mm-hmm. that be grade four, yeah. seven Two, months? Yes. yes. Okay. So close to fifth grade reading level. Mm-hmm. But um, the, it's, very high intensity, page turning every chapter. So great ends. for a reluctant reader, good hook book yes, to get. Yes, my most. son loved it. And <laughs> he, is, he is always like, I hate reading. But then I'm like, what are you doing? Reading a book. <laughs> but he says he hates it, but he loves, he loved this book so much, he's seeking out that author. And wants to read more. Excellent. And that's another tip for parents. If, oh, yeah, if a, that's if a true. child yeah, finds an author or a book or a series, as we've talked about, and even if they get stuck in that author or that series for a while, that's okay. Because they're developing that passion. And just think as adults, I mean, how many series, how many authors are you like, oh, I'm reading everything by... Kristen Hanna, or I'm reading everything by John Greenwald. That's a young, yeah, a YA author. But we kind of get into that as well. So definitely, like binge listening or binge Mm -hmm. um, reading. My son was really into the Redwall series, which is Brian Jakes or Jocks. I don't Mm -hmm. know how to pronounce his last name. But after that, it's like you pass him something else that's similar to it. Hey, you liked that fantasy, Mm -hmm. like, and then I might just say, Hey, I found this at the library, and leave it on his bedside table, Mm -hmm. and he would pick it up and start reading it. So, like you said, one thing leads to another. You hook them and you. And they stay with that series. And you said, listen. Oh, true. Yes. Well, our family, we love Audible. Mm -hmm. We're definitely listeners. My daughter, Kate, had dyslexia. So that's the way we got her into books and reading Mm -hmm. because it was such a struggle for her. But she wanted to be able to read at a higher level. So we got her listening to the stories using, back then... It was books on tape at the library. You could check them out at Chesterfield County Public Library, and we'd get her the companion book to go along with it. But still to this day, she is an audible, or she listens to a lot of podcasts. She'll be putting on her makeup in the morning, and she'll have her phone next to her listening to stories. And, you know, it's kind of cool. But, yeah. (laughs) I have one book that I listen to when I'm getting ready of a morning or when I'm making my kids' lunches or making dinner. And then I have another that I always listen to in the car, 
I keep a book in my purse. So you're like me. Yes. On my bed. Yes. I'm constantly listening or reading different stories. But I love Chesterfield County Public Library um, with Overdrive. Yes. Yes. I use Overdrive also. Free. All you need is a library card. And there have only been a handful of books I've come across that I have. They haven't had. But you can recommend. I was going to say you can them. request that they yeah, get them. Yeah, so they'll get them. The Overdrive app does have an advanced search feature that you can look for available audiobooks too, just to let yes. you know that. I put things on hold, mm-hmm. but I also use that advanced search feature, like available now, mm-hmm. and that helps out too. And it all the app also. I mean, we were only talking about the audio portion, right? But they have eBooks too. Oh yes. So if you do want to actually read it and not mm-hmm. just listen they have that available as and well and you could read the use an ipad even your phone mm-hmm. or a laptop fact, or yep. your chromebooks too that's right? how yes. i read ready player one. Oh, is it, it was yeah. from the overdrive app on my ipad natalia and stephanie emphasize that parents need to model they need to read and talk about what they are reading with their children I really appreciate the point that was brought up in our conversation that books are windows and mirrors. As parents, we want our children to develop empathy and that cultural competence. We want our kids to be able to think critically. So parents, spend some time this weekend, some family time, and go to the library or the bookstore like Second and Charles and try out maybe that app Overdrive. Oh, and there was one more app that they mentioned. And the students have access on their Chromebooks to Macinvia as well, which is through their school library. Great thing to let parents know about. And so they can check out books for free and read them on their Chromebooks. Mm -hmm. And different schools have different different uh, titles available for Macinvia. It's all purchased through that school specific library so for parents to get to or to check out what their children have on mac and via they would go to their my.ccpsnet.net dashboard and then each student has an icon on there for mac and via and they log in through there and then they can see the titles that are available the nice thing about mac and via too if i remember correctly you can bookmark digitally and you can highlight and things like that correct and you can check out or you can browse. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really nice. Nice little Some features. cool features of that, too. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, ladies, thank you so much. You actually have me super excited about Refugee and her. My next stop is Swift Creek Middle School. I wanted to talk with a teacher in order to find out how we can support our reluctant readers. Right now, I am at Swift Creek Middle School, and I am here with... I'm Laura Colomb. Um, This is my 21st year in the 7th grade language arts classroom. Wow, so you're definitely an expert on teens and reading. I try. I try to be an expert. (laughs) Always more to learn. So, hey, could you help me out? What would you recommend for a teen that says, I don't like to read? I think lots of teens say that, and I think it can be very off-putting to their parents and their teachers. I think the first tip is don't believe them. They just haven't found their book yet. Ooh, I like that. Um, Because reading is something that's magical and takes you somewhere else and lets you escape all of the things that you want to escape. 
I taught a young child, well, a seventh grader. His name was um, Stephen years ago. And he just was this tiny little ball of, like, fire. And he just didn't like to read, and he didn't want to read, and he didn't want to read. Well, I found him a series, and he read it from start to finish. And every time he would finish a book, he was at my desk asking me. For the next I, one, the next can one. Can I go check out? Can I go check out? Are you liking these books? I'm loving these books. So the series was a hook, for a sure. A series is a hook. And I had the very same experience happen last year with a girl who found a vampire book, and she said to me, I never liked to read Mrs. Colm, but now I do. And the truth of the matter is, she always liked to read. She just hadn't found anything that was worth her time. The juice has to be worth the squeeze when it comes to reading. I like it. I like <laughs> it. The juice has to be worth the, worth the squeeze. I love it. All right, so now, tell me this. You're the expert. You've been teaching for this long. What do you think other teachers should be doing in the classroom to promote reading to help those reluctant readers? I think one of the things that I've found the most success with is making time for read-alouds. I think sometimes when there are so many like external pressures of what needs to happen, you feel like, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for it. I have to cut some fat. Read-aloud is the fat. I think that's a mistake. I think a read-aloud allows a teacher to do a couple of things. One is you can model good reading. And I think for some kids, when they realize that that's possible and they hear it, that's something they want to achieve themselves. But I think the other thing that a read aloud allows a teacher to do is model the enjoyment of reading. Like, oh my God, you guys, can you believe what just happened? I'm dying over here. I've read aloud things to my students that made me cry. Mm-hmm. Like, and it wasn't a put on and I wasn't trying to hook them. We're reading the book together and it's moving me emotionally. And so when they can see that that's an experience that they can have, that they may not have had, I think they get interested in reading. So I think teachers should should not... You read alouds as the fat. Like, it's necessary. And I think a lot of times we take that away from children. Like, when when we... we when start them as young, they, mm-hmm. they get to a certain age, and we as adults stop reading to them when yes. that could be such a fun part of yes. our family time, too, as in our classroom time. I'm 43 years old, and I love to hear someone read something well, because what a great experience. That's part of the human condition. You love to connect it's to a, a story. story. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think teachers in the classroom also need to be making deliberate choices about the things that they want to use in class but not be so deliberate that they're stuck in a rut of what they've always done. Because there's so much good juvenile literature out there now. I agree. And the choices are so varied. And I think sometimes the literary canon, while it has lots of great value, those hallowed shelves can be a little bit intimidating to a, to a 2018-12-year-old. 12 12 um, like, I just recently did the novel in verse, the, uh, the crossover by Kwame Alexander, and it's not going to win any awards. It's not a literary... Um, You're the third person that's mentioned that yes. book in Kwame Alexander. So I've yes. got to... That's something I'm going to put it's on my not list. A work, it's not a literary feat, but what a read. And they love to hear it read aloud. It mentions modern-day um, rap artists. And it talks about kids who are playing basketball. And it's all about identity and figuring out who you are. And it's so relatable and it's so current that they, they eat it up. Like when I say, all right, and I put the bookmark in, the classroom goes, no, because they just want to read it. Um, but the same is true for something like The Outsiders. I read that with my kids for the first time last year, probably in 10 years, because I thought, eh, it's getting too old. The like, 70s are so far away from them. They ate that up. 
once they wrapped their mind around where it was and that it wasn't right now, they were like, oh, I can follow this story. They're going to talk weird and they're going to dress weird and they're going to do weird <laughs> things, but they're going to live lives that teenagers live. And that so as long as the book is relatable, don't get stuck in whether it's like a book. You know, if it's something that you read and you have a really emotional experience and like you're like, wow, read it to your kids, with your kids, recommend it to them, like give them, dig into what's now and what's here and don't get stuck in, you know, I've got a lesson plan that I can pull out for this. Mm -hmm. Because whether you realize it or not, it's stale to you too. Right. I appreciate your enthusiasm about it too because I was always, I was a former librarian so like I, um, I spent most of my time in elementary but by golly, like when you're excited about something, they feel that excitement and they get hooked too. And they want to have that experience. And like you said, when you're reading to them and they're into it, you have their rapt attention. Which you don't ever get with teenagers. Exactly. It's the same thing with like a class of 25 kids kindergartners mm-hmm. like I found out that if I had a good book and I mm-hmm. was reading it with passion and enthusiasm and using my voice to be mm-hmm. the characters they were in like I had them like yes. they were in the palm of my hand you know it's everything that's great about the movie version but it's better because it's the book because yeah. the book is always better absolutely there's more detail and more development oh my and gosh they, and they dangle the hook and they just hook you deeper yeah I totally agree all right what else you got anything else for the teacher um I think just as long as you're constantly reflecting on what you're doing and why you're doing it, and read some juvenile literature. I know it seems like I want to, you know, I, I don't want to spend my me time reading for work, but there's really great juvenile literature out there. I One just of, did the Hate You Give. Have you yes, done that yet? I've heard of this book. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's going to be a movie too. Yeah, uh-huh, that's really the good. is going to be a movie too. Oh, oh my gosh! Okay, I'm so sorry exciting. I cut you off. No, you're we'll good. <laughs> um, I just one of the best books I've ever read in my lifetime and I've always been a reader is this book called The Thing About Jellyfish I read it in one night and that's not to say like oh I'm a super fast reader la 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 it's to say I could not put it down like I put it down and I was like oh my god I need to stop reading because this is like ridiculous I need to eat dinner I went and I like made myself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and I came back and I kept reading it like so to so to preclude yourself as a teacher from reading juvenile lit because it's your time versus their time versus work versus not I would ask teachers to give juvenile literature a chance because there's a lot. It's not like back in the day when there weren't very many, very many options, and it might have been all Judy Bloom. Not to say that Judy Bloom's not great, mm-hmm. but it was a very narrow selection. There are you can get mystery, you can get um, thriller, you can get realistic fiction, you can get Divergent, and all of those dystopian series mm-hmm. that are all really great stories that are just directed to juveniles, but adults can enjoy them just as much. I agree. So know know what you can. Now, how about parents? Um, Is there anything that you could recommend to our parent listeners today to help them out at home? I think this is a tough one because you kind of fall into, well, I don't like to read, so he doesn't like to read. I, I doomed my daughter early on with math because I convinced myself because I didn't like math and I wasn't good at it, she wasn't That's a like great math example. She yes. wasn't good at it. We have to be good models. And I yes, had a friend who said, you need to stop doing that. She's fantastic at math. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean she doesn't like it. And I was like, and I had to give up that narrative. Right. Because then we can change her path. And so I think even if you're not a reader, that doesn't mean as a parent that you can't raise a reader. And so I think change your mindset and, and find some value in not only the skill of reading, but the experience of reading. And so when you 
when you value something, right, you pay attention to what they're doing. Like, we value them being clean, so we pay attention to whether or not they're showering, because teenagers don't like to shower. <laughs> so if we value reading, we need to pay attention to when they're reading, what they're reading, um, if they're starting and finishing a book, or if they're starting a book, and then the next week they come home with another book, and then the next... Like, so pay attention to what they're reading. And ask them about it. And yeah. ask them about it. And don't just pay attention to whether or not they have reading homework. Pay attention that is, to them reading. I totally agree with you there. Like, yeah, like, yes. Beyond homework, you want to read to learn, but you also want to read for pleasure. Yes. And, yeah. and, be, and be aware of that. And if you find that you have a child who's not reading frequently or who's only reading for homework or who's starting a book but never finishing a book or who seems reluctant to sit down and read, one of the questions that I use with kids to try to zero in on what's going on with them is what's the best book you can remember reading? It could be last week. It could be in kindergarten. It could be something you read in class because they've been read to or read something that they enjoyed. And if you can hook into that, you can help them find their book. All right, really quick. Can you tell me some titles, maybe some authors, maybe some series that teens in your classroom are really enjoying right now? Absolutely. I just mentioned the crossover by Kwame Alexander. It's basketball. It has a male protagonist, which I think is important to get males reading. It's a you know, it's about sports. It's about relationships. It's about identity. Um, I mentioned the thing about jellyfish. Again, that's about relationships. It's about identity. Who wrote that one? I cannot think of her name off the top of my head. I'll look it up. I'll look it up for us. Put the books right As there. Laura scoots across, across the classroom to grab the book. It's by Allie Benjamin, A-L-I. I recommend this book to everyone I And it was meet. a national book final, finalist. Book award finalist, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. It's one of the best books I've okay, ever cool. read. Um, I like Ready Player One, which is out currently. Because it relates to video games and gaming, and so so oh, many that, right. of today's teens, mm-hmm. that's their that's their recreation. And reading is not their recreation. And so if we can find a jump off A point, bridge. That's a bridge. To bridge those two <laughs> things together, we can do that. I love the Zombie series by Darren Shan. Um, it's a little spicy, but not really. It's high interest. It's somewhat of a lower level reading, but the content isn't immature. The content is mature enough for middle schoolers okay. who like to rip through something fast and they don't, and they look short, but there's a lot So they're not on. intimidating. They're not intimidating. They're high they're action. Relatable yeah. to The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Zombies are huge right now. They're yep. everywhere. And then I like novels in verse. And a novel in verse is simply a story that's told beginning to end, but on each page, instead of there being paragraphs, there's a poem. It's not rhymey, sing-songy poetry. It's just a very careful selection of words that looks like a poem. They are super fast to read, which means the action comes at you so quickly. And again, even though they might seem longer, when you show the kids, there's like a third of the words on every page. That's something that resonates with them. Right. Especially if they're a reluctant reader. Very cool. Awesome. Thank you, you. You're welcome. And you don't have to read everything. There are all kinds of websites out there. If you just Google, what should I read next, you'll get 15 search hits that'll give you, right. you can put in what you liked, and it'll give you a whole list of recommendations. That's so nice. Because I certainly haven't read every book that's ever been written, unfortunately. It's still fun to browse a library, too. Absolutely. <laughs> but I think if we can give kids a little bit of direction, it's kind of like 
when you go to a restaurant that has a huge menu. And you're you just, overwhelmed. You're overwhelmed. And I think that's how they feel in a library. There's just so many choices. They don't know what they want. They haven't stopped to think about what they like because, well, they're 12 and they don't do that. Right. And so if we can narrow them down with guiding questions or recommendations, reach out to your child's language arts teacher. If there's not a language arts teacher in the universe who's going to say, no, oh. I will not help you figure out. How Great recommendation. How to get your totally. kid to read. So sensible. So sensible. It, that we are sensible. <laughs> sensible All right. everything. Laura, thank you for your time today and your enthusiasm. Oh, you're welcome. I'm, re- I'm going to check out the thing about jellyfish right now. Okay. I think you should. Many things that Laura said really stuck with me. One thing that I reflected upon was that... Kids really need to read not only books from the literary canon or those classics that they have to read in school, but they also need to have access to those high-interest books of their own choosing. And just to let folks know, though, um, I did interview a group of three teens from Chesterfield County Public Schools. They were all high school seniors, and one of those teens really was excited about reading the classics. That was her first choice for reading, but the other two had different opinions. So let's hear what these three high school seniors had to say about what they like to read. Let's do some introductions first. Marissa Golden from Cosby. Libby Lara from James River. And Rashad Thomas from Matoka. And they're going to help me think of some ways to get other teens reading And actually, they're just going to talk about what they get excited about reading. Marissa, let's start with you. What do you like to read? Okay, so I guess for me, um, I enjoy reading books that are assigned to me because I feel like I have a different approach about it instead of like feeling like, oh, I don't want to read this book because we're forced to and we have to do papers on it. I like to read books like The Great Gatsby and To Kill a Mockingbird because I like to see the symbolism behind, like in the books that are written in, and I feel like it's really interesting. And there's a reason why you're assigned to read them. Like, for example, in The Great Gatsby, when they're talking about like East Egg versus West, like East Egg versus West Egg, and like I looked at that, like the people in it were so fragile, and an eggshell is fragile that they could be so easily cracked open. And I, and that's, I don't know. I just, I really enjoyed that. And the people in my, and like people in my class would like come to me and ask me questions because I just, I understood the book. So that's the artistic, you were making those artistic connections. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Okay, Libby, how about you? Yeah. So I guess I get more excited about reading, I guess all through middle school and like the early years of high school reading more like young adult novels. Um, just because, I mean, of course, they're, like, written more towards people our age, and whereas classic novels were written in a different time period, but I found that being able to read books more geared towards teenagers and high school students helps me be better able to digest those classic novels, those denser books that have a lot going on, and so getting the experience of not only reading classic novels assigned to you in class, but also books like... The Hunger Games or Divergent, like books made for teenagers, they connect and they synthesize in a lot of ways. 
Um, and so it's really easy to be able to learn how to see symbolism in order to learn how to read an author's style, things like that. So, so you take what you're learning through the, your young adult novels that you're reading and apply it to the classic mm-hmm. novels. That's awesome. Very yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I liked how you said The Hunger Games and Divergent. There's so many good series out there now. Like, I would have loved. How about Ray, Rashad, right? Yeah. How Do you have any series that you like to read? Um, I have. A few. Most of them are graphic novels, though. Okay. I like reading a lot of graphic novels in foreign books, actually. Oh. Yeah, I like foreign books, graphic novels, um, and more modern books, like books that were written in more recent years about, like, kind of everyday life sort of books. Not fantasy or uh, magic books, but I like reading those sort of Fiction. Things. Fiction. Fictions. Fiction books. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. But uh, a lot of books with art artsy sort of thing graphic novels are are, are there any that come to your mind that you would like to share um a series uh hilda uh, it's recently actually got a netflix adaptation so oh, cool. yeah so it was created in 2010 the the book series and it's still running so uh, let me ask you this do you ever listen to books like or do you read yes. books on a tablet like do you use technology to read Tell me about that, right? I use Audible. You do? I have an, I have an Audible dis- subscription. So, you do? Yes, I awesome. do. Awesome. Um, I like to hear that yeah. because, um, <laughs> so do you drive and listen in the car? I actually, I, well, I don't drive currently, but uh, yeah, I do listen to it on a bus ride, uh, those sort of things. Mm-hmm. It's sort of, it's sort of like a, well, back, I don't know, back in the day, they used to have radio shows that were yes. stories, so it's kind of just like how the old times where they just read stories in a radio show it's just a similar thing and you they have really good people uh reading these uh stories to you like like famous people morgan freeman reads a lot of uh, <laughs> audible and having morgan freeman's voice is beautiful yes uh, i totally agree he's commanding you know yeah. like listen <laughs> yeah <laughs> So I agree. Do you, do you listen to Audible, Libby? I actually don't. I much prefer reading books on paper. Awesome. I don't like reading on my Chromebook. I don't like listening to Audible. But it really depends. I mean, with everything like so technology centered now in the, school, a lot of it's times I find balance. myself yes. reading on my computer. Now, where do you like to read um, your paper books? I like to read my paper books <laughs> definitely at home, like in my room um, or like on car rides. Oh, you can read in the car. My son yes. could always read in the car, and I've always been jealous of that. My mom, I cannot yeah, read in the car. My mom can't. She oh, gets sick. So, but yeah. I, I could, I can read pretty fast in the car. So that's or like on the beach, if you go to the yeah. beach yes. or yeah. when you're Me. on a trip. Do you? I, I can't like read <laughs> on the beach. You can't. No, I'm too worried about getting burned. <laughs> <laughs> you need an umbrella, Marissa. You need an umbrella. Listen, I'm so pale. <laughs> it's such a problem. So, all right. Well, where do you read? I usually read in my room if I'm going to read. But I've I've never tried to listen to an audiobook. Usually, like. I feel like I'm so boring when I talk about reading because I, I like like classical books and then I like biographies and I also read a lot of history books because I have an obsession with history. It's probably I do too. See, I have that that and so those with are the you. those are the type of like books I read. And for the most part, I like to have it in my hand. But I feel like to read more like young like young adult books, I probably like need to listen to them. I asked Marissa, Libby, and Ray if they would remain lifelong readers, and they all gave me a resounding yes. 
They said if a teen is reluctant, parents should keep offering up new options. They even mentioned poetry books and reading play script, which I thought was genius. So don't give up. They also mentioned that Goodreads.com is a great source to find books of interest, and Ray said that he uses Amazon to find new books. These are all great ideas for parents and teachers to look into for those reluctant elite readers. Thanks to all the experts for their advice on how to keep our teens reading. If you would like more information on fostering a love for reading, search the web for Donna Lynn Miller, The Book Whisperer, and awaken the inner reader in you and your child. Also, please follow The Great Chesterfield Read on Facebook and share books that you have been reading. Thanks for engaging with us. Have a great week.